Welcome, welcome to the Sharp 600 brought to you by Covers.com. My name is Joe Fortenball. This is episode 79. It is great to have you guys with us. Thank you so much for your continued support as we get set to unveil our first ever college basketball edition of the podcast. That's right. With March Madness roughly three weeks away, it is time to start shifting into a headspace in which we are focusing on college hoops. Now, in a few weeks, we are going to be rolling out several episodes dedicated to Selection Sunday, dedicated to filling out your brackets, dedicated to over-unders, sides, prop bets, you name it. But for right now, we just wanted to create an environment, an episode, an opportunity where for about 15 to 20 minutes, you can hear from Brad Evans, Yahoo Sports, eight-time fantasy football award winner in terms of writing. He's a fantastic writer, but he's also a March Madness bracketologist, and he has a wealth of information. This guy knows about as much as you could possibly imagine when it comes to college hoops. So he's going to join us. He's going to break it down. This is basically our initial foray in the college hoops so that we can get our minds right so that three weeks from now, we're not trying to play catch up. See what we're doing here? Always staying one step ahead of the curve. That's how we do here on the Sharp 600. Good. Good. More for me and you. Follow him on Twitter at Yahoo Noise. You can catch him at Yahoo as an eight-time award-winning writer who specializes in fantasy sports and NCAA March Madness Bracketology. Brad Evans joining us here on the Sharp 600. Brad, always a pleasure to be speaking with you, and thank you so much for your time. How crazy has this college basketball season been compared to all the other years you've covered and watched the sport? whether it's uh, action tied to on-the-court activities or those off-the-court. Of course, with my (laughs) colleague uh, Pete Thamel and Pat Forty dropping uh, nuclear bombs right now on the college basketball world, really turning it upside down and onto his ear uh, with all the reports, uh, the revelations tied to a former NBA agent, uh, you know, explicit players and programs that are tied to it. It's murky, it's filthy, it's dirty, it's disgusting, it's everything that we had always anticipated would come to light at some point in, uh, in college basketball, and it's certainly bubbled to the surface. And right now, you know, we don't know if, uh, let's say, a Miles Bridges will see the NCAA tournament. You know, are, are there going to be any kind of self-imposed penalties by some of these coaches in light of the recent uh, revelations that my colleagues uncovered? So. Uh, not only that, but on the court, you know, parity supreme, equality is the perfect adjective that really describes uh, the college basketball landscape. A lot of negligible differences between seeds. So regardless if, uh, you know, some of these high major programs are going to suffer uh, losing talent at the most inopportune time, it's going to be a wild and wacky ride no matter what. On the court, the Virginia Cavaliers currently sit atop the polls as the number one overall seed in the country. Do you view them as the number one overall seed in the country? Are they the best team? Uh, I I think there's a debate there. Uh, I think they certainly deserve the number one overall seed. Uh, I think Villanova at full strength is right there and lockstep with them. It's really a 1A, 1B conversation in my mind. Uh, With Phil Booth coming back earlier this week, you know, playing 16 minutes and scoring 14 points, that is the object of efficiency right there. And having Pascal also healthy, now that gives the balance that Villanova was missing when it went through that rough patch a couple of weeks ago. Now they have that inside presence, the defensive presence as well, uh, to, you know, pair with the Jalen Brunsons, the Mikael Bridges, the the Vincenzos of the world uh, that can really beat you along the perimeter. So uh, I think, you know, if, if I am. 
uh, predicting who's going to cut down the nets right now, I would say it's probably Villanova in the end. Though Virginia, I, I think a lot of people are uh, not necessarily on that bandwagon because it, it's not the prettiest form of basketball, but everybody buys into the system. They're cohesive. They execute flawlessly. And even when they played their worst game against Virginia Tech a couple of weeks ago, they nearly won that contest in overtime. So uh, Virginia, the number one and number one, uh, but they're very much in the national title conversation, though I believe Villanova is the team to beat. Tom Izzo and the Michigan State Spartans are 26-3 and and second in the country. Are you surprised that the horrific Larry Nassar scandal that erupted recently hasn't caused more of a distraction in East Lansing? Yeah, I am a bit surprised. You know, based on some of the commentary Izzo had about three, four weeks ago, I remember it was uh, after a, a game, and I can't remember the opponent they were playing specifically, uh, but it was a, a viral video, and he just sounded like a man that was beaten. Um, you know, a, a guy that, uh, you know, had, had uh, thrown all of his chips in and lost. And, you know, I thought uh, there would be some reciprocating effects of that. And uh, that certainly hasn't been the case. Uh, you know, I, I don't think this case is necessarily going to go away. Uh, but for now, it's getting swept under the rug, rug by now the FBI allegations, uh, Bridges taking some, uh, you know, some improprieties. Uh, and, and not only that, but Michigan State on the court trying to vie for a big uh, Big Ten title outright. And you could argue a team that is the most balanced in the country. They're the only team in the nation that ranks inside the top ten in offensive and defensive efficiency. So it really is a culmination of muck right now in East Lansing, and Michigan State is fighting its way through it. And uh, I, I, at this juncture, I don't foresee the Nassar case being a major burden on this program during March Madness. How legit is this Xavier squad that currently finds itself in position to jockey for a number one seed? Oh, they're legit. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you look at the quadrant one wins. Xavier has seven under the belt. Uh, again, for those that are unfamiliar with what a quadrant one win is, it's based in the RPI. It's a home victory against an RPI opponent one through 30. If it's on a neutral floor, it's, floor, it's one through 50. If it's a true away game, it's one through 75. But you look at Xavier now, you know, defensively they have some issues. That one three one zone hasn't been as uh, restrictive as we've seen previously with this team, including the team that made a deep run in the tournament last year. Uh, this is a squad that ranks number 67 in the country in just the defensive efficiency. They don't really turn uh, the ball over or force turnovers a, a ton on opponents, but uh, they are masters offensively, netting 1.22 points per possession. That's inside the top seven in the country in that category. They can make it rain from outside. Uh, they share the basketball well. They don't commit a lot of turnovers. They beat you at the free throw line. Uh, they just outscore you in many cases. I mean, they can hang 90, 95 with regularity. Uh, so for this team to go far, you know, the bench isn't particularly deep overall. But uh, if Trayvon Blewett and J.P. McGura are hot from outside, uh, this is a team that's nearly impossible to beat. And uh, Najee Marshall is a guy that I think is a grossly underrated player, good inside-outside game, who is a third score, that tertiary score, that X factor for Xavier, where if he is on and the other two guys are hitting their shots, uh, I don't see them you know, getting bounced anytime soon before, say, the Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament. Three weeks from now when the brackets are released, who do you think the conversation is going to center around when people are talking about overrated teams or highly ranked teams that could see an early exit come tournament time? Well, there are a couple of teams that stand out. Um, You know, in terms of maybe inflated status in Ohio State comes to mind, a Clemson, another team. I think Clemson RPI is terribly inflated. Uh, You've 
seen them, you know, sliding here down the stretch, losing a couple of uh, key contests, uh, three in a row, as a matter of fact, and a team that only has four quadrant one wins. So a little bit of smoke and mirrors with the Tigers, probably going to land on the four line when it's all said and done. And I could see that team, you know, potentially losing if the matchup uh, isn't the greatest in the opening round, potentially losing to a 13 seed. Uh, maybe they even fall as far as a five seed in that, you know, classic 12 over five, maybe a Loyola Chicago or a Buffalo. Uh, one of those mid-majors, the New Mexico State, that's got a couple of nice wins on the resume this season. Maybe they up and enforce the Tigers out of a you know an early exit. Uh, Ohio State, you know, K to beat Diop is a matchup nightmare. Six foot seven, he can beat you inside, he can beat you outside. Uh, you know, the guards have played well for the Buckeyes, uh, but they've gone through some tough times here down the stretch. Maybe showing a little bit of their true colors. This was a team that kind of came out of nowhere in the Big Ten. Nobody you know expected this team to be in contention for a title, but Chris Holtman's done a brilliant job in his first season, you know, coming in late in the game after Thad Mata decided to hang it up. So uh, those are a couple of teams in Kentucky. A lot of people are going to be seduced by the brand name, and I know it's a team that's won consecutive games uh, after going on a long skid, uh, but there are major question marks overall. Uh, this is not nearly the dearth of talent that John Calipari has had with uh, previous versions. Uh, they cannot hit the broad side of a barn from three. They're horrendous from the charity stripe. And they turn the ball over. Very good defensive team. But if you're not fundamentally sound on offense, and Kentucky is still going through those struggles, that could easily lead to an early-round knockout. And right now I have Kentucky as a projected five. And like I said, they should be shivering their sneakers if they were to draw New Mexico State a Buffalo or a Loyola Chicago in the opening round. Now, on the flip side of the equation, and it sounded like you named a few of them right there, if we were talking sleepers, lesser-known teams that could make a lot of noise come tournament time, who would that be? Well, I think Marquette is interesting. Now, Marquette, one of my last four teams in the projected field on the latest iteration of the bracket big board, uh, you know, a squad that does have some work to do. But is this a team that sneaks into the NCAA tournament uh, you know, I think they're an outstanding club. Why? Guard play. Uh, they've got one of the best backcourts in the country. Now, I know Marcus Howard's been dealing with an injury. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back for the Golden Eagles in time for uh, the Big East tournament, maybe even before that. Him and Andrew Rousey are one dynamite, one-two punch from outside. Rousey getting close to 40% from downtown. And then Howard, I mean, he had a 44-point game earlier this season. So, uh, he's a guy that can certainly fill up the cup. When those two guys are on and they have limitless range, uh, I mean, the Golden Eagles are going to be very tough to beat. And if they're in a playing game, and I think it's always an advantage for a lot of these playing teams every single year, you know, playing on a Tuesday night in Dayton, you get the butterflies out of the system. You get a W under the belt. If they're in that scenario and they go out there and secure a victory, uh, you know, they're all lathered up. They're ready to go uh, into the next round. And I would, you know, be all surprised if they come out uh, with guns a-blazing and, and just really uh, dropping the elbow on the opponent, whoever that may be. So Marquette is that one team to watch as a potential sneak-in, playing team, or double-digit seed that I could see making a Sweet 16. And if the matchups are right, maybe even a little bit deeper. What do you think the return of Michael Porter Jr. means for Missouri? Well, first and foremost, he's going to see a physician in Dallas, uh, I believe, on Thursday to get uh, you know a second opinion, full clearance. Uh, but seeing the video on social media today, I mean, he's hitting jumpers. He's moving well. It looks like he's healthy. Uh, if he decides to play, and why wouldn't he? Uh, because you know he's a clear one and done guy. He's not going to be sticking around. 
Uh, that is a major shot in the arm for the Missouri Tigers, who had one of the grossest meltdowns I have ever seen uh, in a game against Ole Miss at home earlier in the week. So uh, they need to, you know, protect the basketball. Too many turnovers. Just you know, shot themselves in the foot repeatedly. But having a guy like Porter with his length, with his versatility. Uh, that really changes it up, and it also alleviates some pressure on the young freshman there and Jeremiah Tillman as well. So uh, they could be something special, the Tigers. And Lord knows, you know, if you're like uh, you know, a 10 seed or even, let's say, a 2 seed, and Missouri lands on the 7 line, or even if you're a 1 seed, and Missouri lands in the 8-9 game, and they were to win that, I could see them giving a 1 or a 2 seed all they can handle in the round of 32. Season ends today. Who would you name as the best player in the country? For me, it's DeAndre Ayton uh, out of Arizona. I think Jalen Brunson's in that conversation. And no, it's not Trey Young. You know, I know Trey Young's leading the nation in scoring uh, and assists per game, uh, and a lot of people comparing to Steph Curry. Uh, he looked like Steph Curry early, uh, Curry early in the season, but he has run headfirst in the Great Wall of China, and and a player that is, I think, struggling and really just crumbling under the burden that he is uh, you know, placed upon his shoulders because there aren't any consistent secondary or third scorers on this Oklahoma team. They've come unraveled defensively. Part of that is because Trey Young has been cast for the friendly ghost in that capacity. Uh, but he's also you know, not hitting the ocean from five uh, feet away from outside. I mean, his uh, outside shot has really struggled uh, to splash through the cylinder here down the stretch. I think he's just flat-out dog got tired. And, uh, you know, I think Oklahoma will end up making the field. They have a strong enough resume even right now. They need to win two of their last three games. Even if they got bounced early in the Big 12 tournament, with those two additional victories, I, I think they would have a strong argument to be in, maybe as a 10 seed. Uh, but Trey Young struggling right now, and Aiton, uh, even though Arizona dealing with the loss of Alonzo Trier, we don't know when he's going to be back after the PED uh, positive test. Uh, but he has been a double-doubles machine, one of the most dominant big men I've seen in quite some time. So his mid-range game certainly needs to improve, and he throw a little 2-3 zone in Arizona like Washington a couple of weeks ago, it can be problematic. How would you rank the top conferences in the country? Well, for me, it's still the Big 12, number one. And, you know, a lot of people are out there saying, ah, the Big 12 is overrated. Give me a break. I mean, the depth of talent uh, from Team 1 all the way down, from Kansas all the way down to Iowa State, you know, it, it's not that big of a difference. Uh, it, I wouldn't say it's negligible, but it's not an enormous gap. It's not a, a chasm by any stretch of the imagination. So I would say the Big 12 uh, is probably number one. Uh, I would go with the Big East at number two, the SEC at number three, followed by then the Big Ten at uh, four, and, you know, the Pac-12, you know, in, in, or the ACC would be at four, the Big Ten at five, and then the Pac-12 at six. So right now, the Pac-12 and the American Athletic, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference there uh, in the overall grand scheme of things. You know, they could both be three-bid leagues. Check him out on Twitter, at Yahoo Noise, eight-time award-winning writer who specializes in fantasy sports and NCAA March Madness Bracketology at Yahoo. Brad Evans with us here on the Sharp 600. Brad, awesome stuff as always, my man. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great weekend. All right, appreciate it, Migo. It's going to be up 500 by midnight. Ah, <laughs> That's a wrap. Episode 79 of the Sharp 600 in the book. Shout out Brad Evans from Yahoo Sports. That dude is something else when it comes to college hoops and fantasy football. One of the absolute best in the business. 
very fortunate to have him on the podcast to get us set for the upcoming tournament of tournaments. Shout out to you guys as well. Thank you so much for your continued support. If you haven't done so already, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. But that's a wrap for this week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be well, and uh, best of luck.